We're glad that you're here. I, I want to introduce who I've got here with me and the concept of what we're doing in case you are new or you haven't been here in a while. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm the high school pastor. Uh, we are in this series, I Have Questions. We believe that questions are good and that doubts are okay. Uh, now, if you're throwing those up as a smoke screen, we need to talk about that. But if you genuinely just don't understand things about the Bible, that's okay. And so what we're trying to do is just answer some of those questions and help you as high school students work through those things. So rather than doing that all by myself, I've got some wonderful people here with me, two people that I think you know well and that you love. So on my right, your left is maybe the funniest person on our staff, uh, definitely the person who helps push me towards Christ, maybe more than he even realizes. Uh, I'm an eight, he's a nine. If you understand that dynamic, uh, you'll understand that a little bit more. But uh, this is my good friend. I want y'all to give a big crave welcome to my buddy, Chris Birch. Chris, are you excited to answer some questions? I'm going to do my best. I hopefully help and not spread heresy. So <laughs> That would be great. Please don't spread any heresy. On my left, your right, uh, if you've been a part of our student ministries for any amount of time, you have definitely seen this woman. She is kind of the heartbeat of what we do as a student ministry. We call her Mama because she has her own kids, of course, but she believes all of you are an extension of her family, and we take great pride in her being y'all's Mama. So y'all give it up for Mama Lynn. <laughs> Lynn, how are you feeling about answering some of these questions? Good. I've never spoken at Crave before. but Give it up first time for Lynn. Yep. So y'all be nice. This is, Chris is laughing. This is her first time we're throwing her straight into the fire. <laughs> Lynn, we're going to need you to solve the problem of evil, uh, all these different things. No, I have all the answers. That's good. That's good. <laughs> so um, these, tonight we have about 30 questions to get through. And so it's going to be tough. There will be times where I will just power through it. Uh, there'll be times I throw it just to Chris, times I throw it just to Lynn, uh, and there'll be times we kind of ping pong it around. But I, I also want to say this. We will not be able to get to the depth that you would like tonight. We, we just can't. Um, any one of these questions, we could probably spend a full hour talking about, and we would barely scratch the surface. All we're trying to do tonight is give you the beginnings of a path that you can walk down on your own. And if you have more questions, or if we answer your question tonight, and you're like, that was not what I needed. I need more. Come see me. Come see one of these two. Go see your community group leader and just say, hey, that was my question, and I still don't understand, and I want to go further with this. We would be ecstatic to do that with you. So, everybody good? All right, let's jump into it. Uh, this is one of our most asked questions. Uh, I put two of the versions of it on the screen. Uh, how do you know if you're hearing God's voice or your own? How do you recognize God's voice and differentiate it from worldly voices? Uh, very simply, God will never contradict his word. So if you're sitting there wondering, like, is this something God is saying to me? What does the Bible say about it? We're very quick to want to jump to a solution without going to God's word. You're like, ugh, what a church answer. Yeah, we start with the Bible. We base what we believe on the word of God. And so start there. God will never contradict himself. So if you're like laying there, you're like, you're hearing this voice. I should sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend. God, is that you? No, it's not. It's just not him, okay? He will never contradict his word. I feel like I have experienced God speaking in multiple affirmations. It'll be something Chris says to me in the office on a Tuesday, something Lynn and I talk about on a Sunday, a song I hear on the radio, the passage I read. It's so, it's so funny to me the number of times Perry says something from a stage that I've just studied that week or that we're getting ready to talk about. So multiple times I think God will have touch points and I would also encourage you create space to listen. You are the busiest generation. You have so much noise. Well, how can I know what God's saying? Make some space to listen to what he says. Uh, Jesus said this in John 10, 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He knows you, but do you know him and do you make space to not just hear? If your ears work, you can hear. Listening is an active participant. That's a listener. So how can you tell if it's God? How can you tell if it's not God? Use some of those things uh, and then keep going, okay? Uh, kind of building off of that, th these were popular, uh, and I'll tackle the first part of this, and I'm going to ask both of these folks to weigh in because these were, uh, this was the second most popular series of questions we got. What is my purpose? How do I find my purpose? How to know what God's really calling you to do in life, and how to know God's plan for you? Raise your hand real quick if you've ever wondered this. Okay, Keep them up if you still feel that way sometimes. Okay, 
So <laughs> this is kind of a big one. Um, I think sometimes we want God to give us like a very specific roadmap of our life. And so the answer I'm about to give you, you may find like, boo, what a cheap answer. Um, if you were to study something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it's a mouthful. It's a series of questions and answers about our faith. And I'll put uh, this key piece of that up there. The question is, what is the chief end of man? Basically, what's the point of mankind? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's it. What am I supposed to do with my life? You glorify God and you enjoy him forever. Okay, cool, 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 but that doesn't tell me where to go to school. You're right. It tells you to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I keep saying that because we've got to get this through our heads. God doesn't work the way that we often think he does. I want you to see this in Genesis 12. This is so significant. Abram, before he becomes Abraham. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. He has not told him where he's going yet. But Abram is faithful and he follows God. You've got to stop waiting on God to show you the next 37 steps and take the one that he has clearly outlined for you. And to that end, some of us want to know, where do I go to school? Who do I marry? What should I study? Where should I live? All those things. Those are specific pieces that, yes, God absolutely can show you. But are you doing the things he's already shown you? Like if God has said, love your neighbor as yourself, and you've not done that, why would you expect him to show you something else? Like you have pieces, you have steps are you taking them? So think about some of that. I'm going to come over here to my man, Chris. Chris, what do you have to say about purpose and what God's calling us to do? So when, when we look at these questions, and I understand, like, we want to know, like, help me answer this question. And I look at this. And I'm like, you want me to answer that question for you. That should be terrifying. You're coming up to someone else. And you're like, I want to know this question. Um, I can't answer that for you. Some of these things, like, I barely got through myself. Like, here I am today, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm so happy to be here, uh, but God had to open that door for me down, down the trail. Go for it. What, what do you want to do? Do it. God will be there wherever you go. He will be there to love you, and when you do something wrong, he will be there to show you, hey, stop it. Don't do that. You know you're not supposed to do that. But all these things, like, we always want to know, what do we do? And sometimes we really, we really don't know. Like, here is we're, we're, three of us right now on stage. We're going through all these questions. We're looking through. Some are super sad. You'll see in a little bit. Some are funny. Some are hard to go through. But these are really good questions, and they're really hard to answer. But like Kevin's saying, like, God is there to show you. Go for it. Because the biggest thing he, he said to his disciples, go and make fishers of men. Go tell my name. Go share the gospel. Go baptize people. Those are the main things that we are supposed to do. And we can do that wherever we go. If some of you guys want to be doctors, nurses in here, um, a chef. I thought I was going to be a chef before this had worked out. Um, I guess what? I can do this. If you're working at Starbucks, you can do this. Wherever you are in this room, you can do this. But here's the question that Kevin was saying. Are you doing it now? Are you telling people about Jesus in your schools? Are you telling people where you work? Because it's really hard for God to show you the next step when you're not doing the way he's already asking. No doubt. Mama Lynn, weigh in on this. How do we know our purpose and God's plan for us? I would say look at your gifts and talents. Mm. What are things that God has gifted you with? Because I see some of y'all and your gifts are totally different than mine. One thing I wish I could do is get up on stage and sing a solo, but everyone would get up and leave. So <laughs> very quickly, like the building was on fire. So um, look at what God has gifted you with. What are some of your gifts? What are your talents? What are things that you enjoy doing? And then God's not just going to poof, there you go, you have that, and you're where you need to be with it. You have to practice and grow and work through that to get to where God wants you to be. That's a good word. And I want to clarify, too. Chris is saying, just do it. And he's right. Like, if you're not choosing between sin and something that's not sinful, two good things, like, oh, what, like this school or this school, choose. I think God gives us the freedom to choose. You don't have to worry about like, oh, I've ruined God's plan for my life because I chose wrong. No, 
That's just not true. I want to give you a resource on this. I would highly recommend everybody check this out. This book is very thin. I usually give it to our graduating seniors. It's called Just Do Something, A Liberating Approach to Finding God's Will, or How to Make a Decision Without Dreams, Visions, Fleeces, Impressions, Open Doors, Random Bible Verses, Casting Lots, Liver Shivers, Writing in the Sky, etc. It's by a guy named Kevin DeYoung. This book is one of the top five best books I've ever read in my life. It set me free in a lot of ways. If you want a copy, I will give it to you. I have like 20 in my office. So again, we're trying to resource you on some of this stuff. Though tonight, less external books, more scripture. So uh, check that book out. All right, I'm going to come to Chris for this one. Uh, we got this question. How do we trust God better? How do we trust God more? Chris, talk to us. Uh, so if you haven't heard this, if you've been through my ministry, hopefully you've heard this before. But read, pray, serve, give is a big thing. Um, that we can all check ourselves on. And this has been in any situation I've ever been with anybody, if they're having a bad day, if they're having a bad month, um, if they're struggling with their life, I will always come to, how are you doing with God? How is your relationship with God? And I always go through these. So how to trust God better? Are you talking to Him? Prayer. Are you spending time praying with God? Are you listening or asking Him questions? Are you sharing your day with him. For me, I have, uh, I have two prayer times. I have a 10 and a 2. I know it seems weird, um, but we get busy. It's a thing. Like, we, we get so caught up in our day, we lose track of time. So wherever I am, 10 or 2 o'clock, I can stop. And it, it's, there's times where I'm having a real conversation with someone that's really hard, or, and it's time to pray. I'm like, hey, how can I pray for you? Or there's other times, like this morning, I'm about to walk in and pee, and it goes off. And so it's just like, before I do that, let me pray. God, thank you for, you know, this day and water and hydration and all that. Like, I have that ability. It's true. I do. We take a lot of things for granted, and I'm happy with God for giving me that ability. But also, uh, reading. A lot of these questions come from this idea, like, how do I know what God would do? Or how do I know it's, a lot of stuff is in the Bible. You believe it or not, there is a ton of stuff in the Bible. Um, but are we spending time to actually read it? Like, we can pop a show on Netflix and finish it in, in a day. Like, side note, we can just do it. I was going to go through something, but never mind. We don't have time for that. You can watch something so quick, but it's like sometimes it's a struggle to open up our Bible and just see, hey, what would Jesus really do in this situation? What has he done in these situations? So do that. Um, serve. We are called to. Jesus said, I, I'm here to serve, not to be served. Everyone in this room has the ability to serve in certain ways. Open up a door. Hand out a cup of coffee. And guess what? You don't have to do it here at Brookwood. As a pastor, you don't have to serve here. But you are called to serve somewhere. And, and we have a, a huge world. People need to know about the love. And one of the best ways to show it is to do it. And the last one is give. Sure, 10% tithe, that's awesome. But you can give other ways. You can give 110% in here. Are you listening truly 100%? Hey, how can I get closer to God tonight? How can I listen to one of these questions? When, you're, when it's time to do worship, and this is my middle schooler, so this is my thing, are you really singing? Like, God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you sing. If you can't clap on beat, try. He appreciates it, but also know you can stop at any moment. You can stop at any moment. But I, I, this morning, one of my kids was over there doing circles. I was like, hey, man, are you worshiping God right now? He's like, no. I was like, should you be? And he just walked off to worship. Oh, okay. So he knew. <laughs> we were all very concerned yeah. for this child just immediately. took off into the woods. Um, but it's one of those things. Are you giving 100% when you're talking to someone? Are you listening to them to really care about this person? Are you giving in those ways? Because sometimes I think we take it out as like, everyone, give me your money. But it's like, give with your heart everything you can with other people. I love that. That's so good. Uh, I hope y'all hope y'all heard that. All right, I'm going to come back to Chris again. Uh, because he's just on fire right now. This question came in, how to evangelize to your friends. So how, Chris, how can these high school students go share their faith uh, at home, at school, at work, sports teams, etc.? I think this is, is a tough one because we're, I'm not calling us out in this room because this is me too. We are scared to share the gospel. And sometimes we feel like we, we don't know how or how do I exp express this. Every single one of you has a unique story. Every single one of you. And your story is amazing. 
Now, some of you guys, you have heartbreak. Some of you guys have amazing joy. Share it. That's who God has made you to be. Every one of you, you are special. And God has made you this, this role that you're in. I can, and I can share my story in three words. If you want to write this one down, because uh, this one's hard to do. But you can tell your story in three words. I can't give you mine. It's really long. If you want to hear it, I will tell you after this. Um, it's crazy. But uh, the first word is before you knew Christ. So you can have this word. Mine is spoiled. Um, when you found Christ. Uh, and then what you're doing after like right now. And the third word can always change because you're always doing something new. So mine is spoiled faith in sponge. Weird, but you want to know why, don't you? Come and ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but we have all these things. Like you can share this with people. You can tell your story and what God is doing for you. So you don't have to make this all around like, let me tell you about Genesis and Numbers and Deuteronomy and share all the old scriptures with you. Share your story because God has set you up. Like you guys have, I know, you're like in ninth grade or 12th grade, you're like, I haven't lived a life. You have. Some of you guys have lived longer than other people on this planet. Believe that. It's crazy to think, but you have a story to tell. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> this wasn't in my notes, but friends, like friends is a key part of this. We've talked about this a lot. You're going to have better success rates talking to people you know and love. I was talking with a parent this morning, you know, even some of the stuff we talked about last week, these hard conversations about, you know, look at the last two years. Anybody have any tough conversations? Yeah. If you have a relational bridge that's been built up, it can handle driving a hard conversation over it. But if you have a very flimsy beginning of a relationship and you try to have that same hard conversation, it's going to collapse. So start with your friends. I think that's so good. Share your story. It's great. Um, <clears throat> let's keep rolling. How do I work through perfectionism, specifically in following God? Uh, quick show of hands. Who struggles with perfectionism? Anybody? Okay. This is, look around. You're not alone, which is very comforting. Um, and... You maybe read the Bible, we're telling you read your Bible, and you see this. This is Jesus talking. You're to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You're like, great. <laughs> Jesus said I have to be perfect, and now you've given me a complex. Okay, can you do this? No. Can, can you be perfect? Who can? This is Sunday school answer time, everyone. Jesus. So, hear me. If you are one of those people who raised your hand or you were too self-conscious to do so, I totally get it. If you spend your whole life chasing perfection, you will never reach it. The point of your life is not perfection. The point of your life is Jesus and his perfection. So you have to be willing to release yourself from some of this. And you've got to get in community with some people who can help you. So when I'm being neurotic or I'm struggling, I can go to somebody like Lynn or Chris, who I work with closely, and say, hey, I'm having a tough time. Can you talk me through some of this? Can you help me? And they'll be able to say something lovingly to me like, hey, dude, you're just being silly. Stop. You need people who can speak those words of life and truth and grace and mercy over you. Grace and mercy are core tenets of our faith. Like, we know this, right? Grace, getting something you don't deserve. Mercy, not receiving what you do. And we talk about it for other people. And some of us in this room need to realize that's for us, too. You don't deserve it, but God gives it anyway. Release yourself from the pursuit of perfection and start pursuing Christ. All right. I wish I could talk more about it, but we don't have time. All right. We're going into kind of a triple header here. Do people of other denominations or world religions still go to heaven? How do we handle other religions' opinions? And how do we discern small differences between their beliefs and ours? Should God be viewed through a fixed viewpoint? Or is a lot of, is a lot of it up to our individual interpretations? So many people view God in different ways. Is it possible that was his intention? All kind of in the same world here. Uh, who is interested in world religions? Just like you find it interesting, fascinating. Okay. Who is friends with someone of a different faith? Okay. If you are friends with someone who has a different belief system, a great way to engage in this conversation is just ask really good questions. And not in a way to try to be like, dumb, let me tell you how you're wrong. Just ask good questions. If someone comes up to me and they're asking me questions, I think this is maybe someone who cares about me. And that's the beginning of having a conversation with someone of a different faith or of no faith, which I would argue requires tremendous faith. But I digress. Uh, other people's religious opinions and small differences. If you spend all your time trying to study what do Jehovah's Witnesses believe or Mormons or Buddhists or you need to start with knowing what the Bible says. Oh, man. Sunday school answer again. Yes. 
you have to know what you believe. If you start trying to, think about this. If you play sports, right, and you scout the other team, but all you do is scout the other team. You want to know their plays. You don't know what they're doing, their formations. Their, but you never spend any time studying what you and your team are going to do. You're going to be in trouble. So you need to know about Christ first, and then you go and have some of these conversations. Will people of other denominations or world religions go to heaven? I'm going to say something, and you're going to think, wow, what a jerk. But I, I feel like I'm trying to speak truth. No, I, I don't believe they will. Let me show you what Jesus said. This is Jesus speaking about himself. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There are not many paths to eternal life. There's just not. Jesus says there's one, and it's me. I'm not trying to heap shame or condemnation on your atheist, agnostic friends, anybody of a different faith. I'm not. This is a hard truth to grasp. Chris, you got something. And just with that, like if, you, if your heart is breaking right now for someone, maybe God is putting that person on your heart. Maybe you're the one that can have these conversations with that person. Because we know at the end, there is a heaven and hell. And we also know there's, there could be people in this room right now, there could be people at main service that say they know who Jesus is, and one day we might get up there and he's like, get away from me. You do not know me. It's like, when do we know you? When do we have the opportunity to feed you or visit you uh, when you're in prison? There's going to have those opportunities. But you have the ability to love and share this idea with other people right now. Yeah. And, I, and I'll show you this too, just for reference, Matthew 7, 13 through 14. This is, again, Jesus speaking. He says, you can, you can come into the kingdom only through the narrow gate. He says, the highway to hell is broad. The path to life is narrow and few will ever find it. This is, we harp on this so much. Do you know that you know Jesus? Like, for sure. Perry talked about it this morning. This matters a lot. So, yeah, people who don't believe the same as us, you know, it's not a superiority thing. We're not trying to lord it over and be like, y'all are dumb, you don't believe the same as us. But, but we believe Christ is the only way. Okay, I could spend years here talking about this. We got, we got to move on, and I'm going to move on to Lynn. We got some relational questions. So uh, we feel like you've heard from Chris and I on a stage plenty of times about relationships. So we wanted to get Mama Lynn here. Mama Lynn, if we got someone struggling with a broken heart, what can they do? And then also, what does a Christ-centered romantic relationship look like? Okay, we'll start with the broken heart first. The first thing I would tell you is to choose thankfulness, which sounds really weird because when you're suffering or you have a broken heart, it's very hard to be thankful, isn't it? But we do choose. It's a choice to be thankful. You may not feel like being thankful, and it may be hard. But we look at Job. Job 13:15 says, I will have hope in him. Job lost everything, and he still said, I will have hope in him. In Philippians 4:11 through 12, Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. No matter what we go through, we are to be content. I would say, pour out your heart to God. Scream, yell, whatever you need to do to work through what you're working through because God can take it. God's not like, oh my gosh, you yelled at me. He can take it. And so be sure to, whatever your feelings are, share them. Share them with God. He knows what's on your heart anyway. And so he knows that you're wanting to yell. Um, Psalm 34:18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. It is God alone who heals. So although we need to look other places to get help, we need to remember that we need to keep our focus on God and because he's the one who heals. I would say to seek counseling, to talk to someone, whether it's someone here or a licensed counselor, if you need to talk to someone, it is okay. When I was a child, my uncle passed away. He was 33 years old. He had cancer. And back then, if you seeked counseling it was a bad thing it meant you were crazy and so my whole family needed counseling and I look back now and think there were there's some things that went on in my family that probably would have gone very differently had we sought counseling and so I would say that's okay seek counseling use your pain to minister I was telling someone the uh, last Sunday I believe it was that it's hard for me to tell you as you're in the pain, but I can tell you I'm old enough now and I've been through enough pain to know that 
you can look back and you can see where you weren't through it and you can see where God was there through it all and then use that to minister to other people who are going through those things. If my parents had not gotten a divorce, I wouldn't know how to deal with you whose parents have gotten a divorce. If I had not dealt with death and you came to me and said someone I'm close to died, I would be like, okay, because I wouldn't know how to deal with that. And so I use your pain to minister to others. Your heartache is a mean to some people. Um, some people's greatest ministries are birthed out of great suffering. So use your heartache as a means to comfort others who have been through a similar situation. There's no reason for you to suffer without purpose. God has a purpose in everything that we go through. And he can use it for good. And so look at your suffering. Find out what God can use you, how God can use you for a purpose there. And then um, know that it's not final. Know that you will get through it, even though it doesn't seem like it. You may be different because of it but know that you will get through it and that God will use it for good. We can think about people in the Bible, Joseph, David, I talked about Job, and even Jesus. We look at what Jesus went through. Jesus suffered, and so who are we to say we shouldn't suffer? And so even though it's hard, know that you will come out of it and know that God can use it for good. All right, go on to the... Yeah, come on. Okay. <laughs> God being the center of your relationship. I would say that everything that we've talked about tonight starts with you and your relationship with God. It always starts with you and that relationship. So I would say before you even think about getting into a relationship with someone, make sure that your relationship with God is right. That is the first thing that you should do. If it's not right, then you need to focus on that relationship instead of focusing on other relationships with someone else. Love God first before the other person. Put God first, and when you do that, then you're going to have a good relationship with someone else. Ask the question, does the relationship draw you closer to God? If it doesn't, then you don't need to be in that relationship. Does it motivate you to be who God created you to be? Again, God created you with a purpose. Is this person drawing you to that purpose? Is this person drawing you away from that purpose? If they're drawing you away, then that's not who you need to be with. Going back to strengthening your relationship with God first, know that you cannot date someone and lead them to Jesus. You might lead them to Jesus, but don't date them in order to do that. Hold on, hold on, hold on Yep. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> don't date someone in order to lead them, thinking I'm going to lead them to Jesus. If you lead them to Jesus, that's great. And then if you date later, that's fine. But don't date someone thinking I will change them. So good. Because the only person that we can change is ourselves, Right. And so we can't, don't date someone thinking, oh, it's fine that he does this or she does that. I'll change them. No, that's not how that works. So don't date someone thinking that you'll change them. Does the person love Jesus? That should be your first question. Do you love Jesus? Nope. Okay. Bye. Lynn, 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 Lynn. <laughs> what? Hold on. Hold on. What if they're really cute? Uh, I mean, you just got to look from afar at that point, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> you can look at them from afar and say, boy, he sure is cute or she sure is pretty, but that's it. All right, so <laughs> here's some things that are good that you may not think is good. You may think are lame. Group dating, dating groups. It's okay to date in groups, go bowling, go do whatever. Have accountability. Have people in your life, whether it's your friends, your parents, us, have your leaders, have people in your life who hold you accountable, who ask you, how is your relationship? Are you sticking to God? Or is, this, is God at the center of this? Pray for each other. If you're dating someone, pray for that person. 
pray that God will help you both stay close to him and keep, keep him at the center. Look for counsel of, spiritual, of spiritually mature adults. Again, that could be your leader, that could be your parents, that could be maybe a, a friend who's a little older. Set boundaries. It's okay to set boundaries and stick to those boundaries. Let that other person know, these are my boundaries and I'm not, I'm not going over that. Remember that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and expect to be treated that way. If someone doesn't treat you that way, bye. <laughs> Lynn, what if they're really cute? You look from afar. Okay. <laughs> so, girls, I would say this to you because I'm a female. I mean, it can go for guys too, but I'm going to tell you girls, y'all are beautiful and you are worthy and you need to be expected to be treated that way. And if a guy doesn't treat you that way, what do you say? Bye. Bye. <laughs> You're cute, but I'm leaving. Guys, you treat these girls like they're fearfully and wonderfully made, and they are, and they are a child of God. And so you are you me? guys. So are you. So are so y'all. Treat these girls with respect. Girls, treat these guys with respect. Keep God at the center. Read your Bible. Pray. And I would tell you at this age, don't rush. You have plenty of time. These guys might be cute. These girls might be beautiful, but you have plenty of time. And lastly, I would say, do not settle. Want the best. That's Expect good. the best. Do not settle. It's a good word. So there you have it. It's a good word. <laughs> I learned some things there. That was good for me. Yeah, y'all can clap it up. That was good. And I'm telling you things that I learned the hard way, and you're getting it for free. So there you go. Sweet. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it fire through some. We're going to take a break in just a second, so stay with me. Uh, Y'all are going to help me answer this. Did Adam and Eve go to heaven or hell? If you think heaven, thumbs up. If you think hell, thumbs down. Let's just see the general thought in the room. What do you all think? Ooh, they messed it up for everybody, but... Eh. I tend to think yes. I tend to think there was grace. I think God was there with them and was like, man, y'all done messed up, but grace. Uh, that's me. Uh, some other questions that kind of go with the eternity. Uh, why should we be thankful for God saving us if he was the one who created hell in the first place? And then I apologize to this person, whoever this is, please come see me. I could not read your handwriting, and I don't mean that as an insult. I often cannot read my own. Um, but I don't know if it said, is there internal life in hell, which I didn't really understand. And then is there eternal life in hell? So just a word about hell for a moment. Um, and again, you could, you could go much deeper. This is a passage Birch was alluded, alluding to earlier, Matthew 25. It's the great separating of the sheep from the goats. Uh, but you can see here this term, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Hell was not created for us. It was created for Satan, for the enemy, and those who followed him, the fallen angels. Uh, but it is a place that, that we ultimately can wind up. Uh, I, I've heard it said this way, God will always give you what you want. If you want to be apart from him, he'll give you that, ultimately. In eternity, eternal fire. Is there literal fire? I tend to actually think no. Uh, it's imagery language, that's me. But there's eternal punishment. We see it described as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, for me, I've kind of landed in this place of, you know when you've super messed up and you just beat yourself up over and over and you've just got so much regret and there's so much clarity on what you should or could have done? I mean, I think hell's going to be a lot of that. That's just me. That's, that's my opinion. That's, that's my take. Uh, but the contrast is there is eternal life. So th the bottom line is you will exist somewhere forever. It matters a lot. Uh, it should matter to you a lot because even if you live to be 100 plus years old in this world, that's a blink of the eye compared to eternity. Uh, as far as, you know, why should we be thankful that God saved us? Man, we, we should be. Uh, you're like, well, he doesn't save everybody. You're right. That's not fair. It's not fair that he saves anybody. It's grace that he chooses to save anyone. If you want to talk more about eternity, more about hell, I've got tons of resources. Come see me. We can talk about it. One last question before the intermission. I thought this was, thought this was a very special question. What happens to people who live with a disability that affects their comprehension of their life? Do they go to heaven? I'm going to say this, and I'll fight you. I, I, I mean, I genuinely, I genuinely will. I think yes. And if you think no, I will fight you. Not really. But I, I feel pretty strongly about this one. I just do. And, and what scripture am I basing this off of? There are pieces I can give you, uh, but when it comes to comprehension of who God is, I think that's significant. People like to go to this verse from Romans 1, 
People will make this side-by-side argument about people with mental disabilities or babies or what about people in a jungle who never hear. Well, the Bible says clearly in Romans 1.20 that people who can observe creation, they see a creator is behind it. And so there's no excuse for them. But for a baby, for someone who is mentally incapacitated, the God I see in the Bible, I, just, I don't think he's cruel. I, I, I struggle with that. I believe that they will go and be with God. Bert, step in here before I get emotional. And at the very end, like, guys, we worship the God of compassion, who yeah. created compassion. So the God who created love, joy, peace, patience. Uh, and I have a lot of other people I've heard say this. Well, they didn't confess it with their mouth. It's like, we don't have to confess it with our mouth. Like, he knows us. He made us. He put it on our heart. Now, we are all knowing and are able to have these conversations, but there are certain people that can't. I, I've, I've had to take care of people in wheelchairs that can't move. And you can't tell me, you can't look and be like, God doesn't have compassion on this person. It's not, no. It's absolutely not. And I would also fight you, but I would just <laughs> hold Kevin's water bottle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Romans, because Romans 10 does say, right, like, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, you raise him from the dead. But, but if someone can't even grasp that, Anyway, if, hey, if someone you know is affected by this, man, I'd love to hear about them. No agenda. I just want to know about them. This one, this one, we're going to get into the back half. We've got to take a break. I'm going to get emotional on some of these. Okay, um, I want to take a break. I want, to, I want to ask you to think about a question. Uh, everybody stand up first. Quick intermission. Shake it out. Shake it out. This is going to be like a 60-second break. I'm going to pee. All right, thank you. I'm sure he's thankful for that. Hey. I want you to talk to two or three people around you. Yeah, if you need to use the bathroom break. Ask two or three people around you, would you rather find a needle in a haystack or go on a wild goose chase? Take a minute. I don't know. All right, this is going to be a two-part question break. Raise your hand if you'd rather chase the goose, wild goose chase. Okay, hands down. Who would rather look for the needle in the haystack? Interesting. 50-50. Lynn, you would choose? I would choose the goose. Lynn chooses the goose. goose. I choose the goose. All right, real quick, I need somebody with some wisdom. Who's got a lot of wisdom in this room? You feel like you come up and answer a question That's for fine. me? That's thank you. Okay, right here. Yep, I saw your hand first. Come on up. Can I borrow your mic, Chris Birch? This thing's still on? No. I don't know what I'm doing. Remind me of your name. I met you last week. Uh, my name is Marina. This is my second time here. Hey, y'all give it up for Marina. Second time here. She came on the stage. Okay. Uh, I have a very significant question for you. This is life and death. I'm terrified. I need you to help me understand the difference between a chicken tender, a chicken finger, a chicken nugget, and a chicken strip. Okay. Okay. A chicken nugget, that is just like a small little ball, and those are generally deep fried. A, a small little ball is a nugget. Are we all tracking with this? Okay. A chicken tender is like like a whole chicken breast that's normally grilled. Okay. <laughs> Actually, but keep going. This is your time. You were the one brave enough. And then a chicken strip, that one's generally deep fried, but it's like the same thing, just as the, like the whole chicken breast. And then what was the fourth one? Chicken finger. And a chicken finger is a chicken's finger. All right, you heard it here first. Chickens have fingers. Y'all give it up. Second time at Craig. Sounds good to me. Who wants to go get some chicken after this? Anybody? All right, y'all can sit back down. Seriously, kudos. That was so brave. You last, have no idea. You don't even know me. I could have done something crazy. Those last three sounded real, real similar. <laughs> yeah, they did. They all. I like how you drew an arbitrary line on grilled versus deep fried. That was a. Uh, that was good. Okay. All right. We we went a little lighthearted. We're taking a little break because uh, we are getting into now uh, what was far and away the most asked question. We got a lot of questions about this. Um, and there's variations of it. So I want to answer this first part first. And I, I'm going to throw you guys at any point. Feel free to chime in. Let me just kind of get this first part out of the way. Can we be considered good people? Such a thing as a good person? Uh, I would say no. I think the answer is no. 
And Jesus said this. You're like, man, he talks what, about what Jesus said a lot because he is the authority. He just is. Jesus one time was called good teacher, and his response immediately was, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Now, we do this thing where we look at people in our lives who are, you know, doing things that we know are clearly bad. And we go, well, I'm pretty good compared to them. Beware of this comparison game. That's, that's not it. On your own, you can never be good. Your best attempts at righteousness, the Bible says, are like filthy rags. Go look up what that means uh, on your own time. It's real interesting. Um, go. What? No. Okay, great. Let's point at Robsy. Oh, okay. Good time, Robsy. All right. But, but this question was asked a lot of different ways. You're going to see it in subsequent slides. Why do bad things happen to good people? Just a quick show of hands. Who, who has wondered this? Yeah. Um, this, this is really hard. Um, so hard. I, we, we, there's evil in the world. And so you have to kind of deal with, well, is God causing this evil? Is he the one behind it? Is he the one who's allowing it to happen? And how could a good and compassionate, loving God allow these bad things to happen? Does he really care about me? Is he disconnected? Is he far away? Um, and this is tough. So what did I do? I went and got a really big book, one of the biggest ones on my shelf. This is a systematic <laughs> theology book. JC, if you listen to this later, Wayne Grudem is far superior to the guy that you have on your shelf. That's really just for JC. Um, we argue about this often. But um, a good book like this really can't help you. And you're like, I would never. Come borrow mine, okay? You can, you can do it. Um, there's a lot of subjects in here that are good. But there, I want to read to you some uh, pieces of this. There's a chapter in here on God's providence. And so uh, it says that if God himself does evil, we would have to conclude he's not a good and righteous God. And therefore, he's not really God at all. If we maintain that God does not use evil to fulfill his purposes, then we would have to admit there is evil in the universe that God did not intend, that the universe is not under his, his control, and that he might not fulfill his purposes. And that would make it very difficult for us to affirm that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Perry cited that this morning in Romans 8.28. If evil came into the world in spite of the fact that God did not intend it and did not want it to be there, then what guarantee do we have there will not be more and more evil that he did not intend and does not want. Uh, and so you, you have to walk through these things and you start to go, well, did God allow the evil? Did he bring the evil? Where do we stand with some of this stuff? And uh, I'll show you some hard passages. Uh, I'll give you this one first. Isaiah 45, 7. This is God speaking. I am the Lord. There is no other. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. This is hard and you can spend your whole life trying to sit with this and you will live in the tension of like what are you telling me God caused this you tell me God allowed it to happen I, I think God allows these things to happen I don't think God ever maliciously says take that do I think he course corrects us and disciplines us sometimes yes I do and you can read in Hebrews 12 it says no discipline is enjoyable while it's taking place but it's beneficial I think about my small son who loves to run off he tried to run off in the Atlanta Aquarium this weekend. It is the fastest my heart has ever beat in my life. I got so scared. And I punished him. And you, you think I'm bad for that? That's fine. We can have that talk off stage. But he knows not to run away. And when I correct him, you go, well, that's loving. Yes, it is. He doesn't get that, though. So sometimes there's discipline. But sometimes bad things just happen. You go look at the story of Job that Lynn talked about earlier. Job didn't do anything wrong. God, in fact, was using this as an opportunity to bring glory to himself and to ultimately bless Job. It doesn't feel like a blessing when the bad stuff's happening. Why me, Lord? You'll spend the rest of your life asking that. You just will. And we're going to get into some of the variations of this, and we'll talk some about uh, you know, our choices and free will. But I'm just telling you, I think that God has a purpose in your pain. Did you say that a while ago? I knew somebody smart said that. Um, and again, hey, I, I'm giving this plug. Go listen to Perry's message from this morning. We're studying the life of Joseph. Joseph's life is a prime example. There's evil that takes place, and yet God can use it, even though he didn't cause it. If you go to the end of Joseph's story, he's dealing with his brothers who sold him into slavery. He spent years coming from jail, being accused of rape. I mean, just an awful path. And in the end, he looks at his brothers, and he tells them, what you intended for evil... God intended for good. good. It's hard to see that in the middle of it. But I believe personally that God is always working. I just believe that. Now let's get into some of the variations of these. And I may open this back up here in a little bit. I got a lot highlighted, but only so much time. So someone asked, if God knows all things, why would he allow the bad fruit of the serpent near Adam and Eve? Fair question. 
I think God gives us choice. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Is it predestined or is it choice? Yes. Right. I think both. I just do. I believe God is sovereign. He is in charge over everything. There is nothing that happens that surprises him. And yet, I believe God lets us choose. I don't think he wants slaves or robots. How can he be sovereign in our choices? I don't know. I just believe it. And I can, I can cite, there's, a, there's like three pages of, of scripture in this book I can cite to you. I, just, I don't have the time to get through all of them. But, but I believe he is sovereign. So far, do you guys have anything you want to jump in with? I just would add real quickly, Please. going back to bad things happening and God working through that. We talked about this this week in the office. Sometimes you may not see it for 5, 10, 15 years. And then one day you look back and you say, oh, I get that. That doesn't make it easier that I went through that, but now I understand how God is using that in my life. And so you may not know two months from now or six weeks from now or whatever, but you will see eventually. It was um, probably 15 years after my uncle passed away that I saw how God used that in my life. Can I give you a question? This is a David Hardy special. And David, I know you're listening. You're a a subscriber and downloader of our podcast. Crave High School Ministry, wherever podcasts can be found. Um, (laughs) David Hardy would always ask us as a staff to seek God's face and ask God, God, what do you want me to know in this? So when it hits the fan, and yeah, I mean that, because sometimes it does. God, what do you want me to know in this? Through your tears, through your rage, through your bitterness, God, what do you want me to know in this? God can handle it. Lynn made a good point. I have, I have yelled at God before, and people are like, mm, maybe you shouldn't do that. I'm like, well, he knows what's in my heart, so I'm going to just let it out. I'm an eight. That's who I am. God, what do you want me to know in this? It's a good question to ask. Getting, getting further into this, and I think the, the, these two, this is hard. You, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'll take the, take why it. does God tear families apart? This is tough. Um, and I'm going to be brave here. I'm going to ask you guys to be brave. How many of you guys in your family's gone through divorce? My family has. I'll be the first one. It stinks. It sucks. It's not fair. Um, when we're looking at this, God is fully in control. But there's also a point where we have to be careful. Our parents make mistakes. Our parents are not perfect. My dad's in jail. Like, he'll be in jail the rest of his life. He made a mistake. Uh, He'll pay for that the rest of his life. We are not perfect. We make mistakes. This, again, this can be hard. I I went back to those questions. When your parents were starting to have these ideas of conversation, starting to fight, were they both seeking God together? Were one of them seeking God together and the other one was going away from God? Um, Were they taking steps to do counseling? I'm going through counseling right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You're growing your faith to help someone else to grow their faith. And also, you're diving into a relationship together. That's what marriage is. How to glorify God together. In a really hurt place, the enemy will find these little holes. If you don't, if your faith is not that strong, he will come after you. Your family's divorced. It's because of you. Your family's divorced. It's because of God. No. Some, this, the world is not perfect. It hurts to say. It's sad to say. Um, I remember, I'm sure Ryan will be fine with that, Ryan Hendrick. Um, he went, his parents divorced it was maybe like five years ago. He's a grown man. I watched him cry. It broke him. He was a man. Some of you guys, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. That breaks my heart. I got to do it later when my dad went kind of crazy. Like, I got to see the part where it's like, yeah, this is not good. This is not glorifying God. Some of you guys, it's early in your relationships. I want you to know God loves you, and God would never tear your family apart. Yeah, and I, and I want to jump in here and say, God's not the one who tears families apart. Just, just to be clear, I'm trying to say, God is sovereign, yes, and also our choices have real impact. They matter. They affect things. You can look in the Bible time and again, people pray and God relents. And so I don't think it's God who works against your family in that way. Now, the second question, why did God allow COVID to happen again? Like, why does God allow these bad things to happen? I can't, I can't answer that in full. I can't. 
What was the purpose behind this? I don't know. I think there's opportunity to, opportunities for us to reevaluate the last two years. I think there's chances for us to realize what really matters. I'll tell you something God taught me during these last two years, during this pandemic, being shut down, being isolated, which we're going to be unpacking the mental and social and all the impact of that for years and years now. It made me realize the value of church and not just Perry preaching or me on a stage or Chris. You can get great content online. You just can. You can find better speakers. It's not just Jacob or Spencer or somebody up here with a guitar. You can find great worship online. What I missed and the value that I now carry a higher priority on is just the being together, the body of Christ, ecclesia, the gathering, the assembly, just joking out here, being, playing nine square and getting absolutely dunked on. Being together. That's something God has taught me through this. Chris. And just one more on that. Like, it taught me real relationships matter. Yeah. Who your real friends are. Who these people that are going to be there when you're having a bad day. Especially during these last two years. Like, hanging out with certain people that make you happy. That you can pray together. Real relationships matter. That's something I, that I've learned through these two years. Yeah. Lynn, anything that God's shown you in these last couple of years? Dealing with this, the wildness of the world? I would say relationships. Um... They've heard me say a million times that it brought me sadness seeing y'all not in school, not together, not with your friends, because I remember when I was in high school how important those relationships were to me. And so I told someone tonight I love seeing these chairs filling back up and seeing y'all here and hanging out with each other. And listen, if there's 10 of y'all here, we'll be here. We're going to do this thing for the glory of God and for the betterment of the kingdom. Let me throw some scripture at you. I'm going to hit the gas really quick, just kind of dealing with some of this. This is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. This is God saying, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. My ways are far behind, beyond anything you could imagine. He says, the heavens are higher than the earth. My ways are higher than your ways. If you spend your life trying to figure God out completely, you're not going to get there. And again, you have to get to this place of acknowledging God is sovereign. There are things he knows that I just can't. He is infinite. We are finite. Finite. Someone help me. Finite. I said that right the second time. There's also Deuteronomy 29, 29. Shout out to Lee Catherine. You threw this out the other week when we were talking. It says, the Lord, our God, has secrets known to no one. We're not accountable for them. We, and our children are accountable forever for all he has revealed to us. Again, are you in God's word? Do you know what he says? There's stuff that he knows that you don't know. And that's okay. But we don't like that. We're like, mm, God owes me. He owes you nothing. You have to make some peace with that. And it's hard. It takes time. And again, this is the classic. Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. This is a great verse, but if you come at somebody with this in the middle of their tragedy, their pain, their <laughs> sorrow, that's not the way. You've just lost someone. You've just gone through some serious hurt. Hey, it's okay, brother. God causes all things to work. I'm, I'm not trying to hear that right now. Timing and tact matter. Let's hit the gas a little bit more. We've got to get through these. Why does God forgive everyone but punish others more harshly than others? Why do we have to suffer when we didn't ask to be created? I'm going to be honest again. If, just, if the first question is you, I didn't fully understand what was being asked, so I, I tried to put in my notes some of uh, what, what I thought was being asked. Uh, sometimes it's tough because we see people get away with stuff. Like the same question of why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? What in the world? Why is this person who's living a sinful lifestyle being glorified and exalted and getting a platform and all this stuff, and I'm over here trying to be faithful, and I'm just out in the dirt trying to scratch out an existence? stinks it's not fair and again this is hard but hear me life is not fair no one ever said it would be what we believe is that in the end god will make all things right and so when you're looking at you know that person i i gotta even the scales no 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 be careful stealing from god you're like what do you mean stealing from god romans 12 9 says that revenge belongs to god the balancing of the scales is not for you so don't do that and they may get away with it for the rest of their life. And you have to turn that over to God and ask him to give you peace and know that he will make all things right in the end. Go read in Revelation. Some of it's trippy and weird. I'm just being honest. Some of it's incredibly beautiful. Revelation 21.4, if you just want to have some hope and reassurance in the midst of a crazy world. And why do we suffer when we didn't ask to be created? I think suffering is part of the journey. It just is. I was talking with, with someone earlier today and we were talking about just, just some of the hard parts. Are just, they're, they're part of life. Um, and I think God always has a purpose. Again, we're, we're not doing all these justice. It, it's hard. Is it bad to ask for healing when you know God is using your pain for his good? No. Ask. Perry said that, again, I, I cannot tell you the number of times what Perry says on a Sunday parallel what we talk about here. 
I believe in healing. I do. I believe God can heal in supernatural ways. And if God is using your pain for his glory, he can absolutely use your healing as well. That's part of your story. Okay? I will throw at you, I think Lynn gave allusion to this earlier, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul asking for a thorn in his flesh to be removed, and God told him, my grace is sufficient. So if you're that person, you're in some pain right now, you're hurting, God is sufficient. And yet, it's okay to feel that pain. Talk about it with people. Get some counseling. Come talk to a, a community group leader, a staff person, somebody. Okay. You one. think, too, about Jesus when he was on the cross, and he said... I don't want this to happen, yes. but not my will, but God's. Yes. And so even yes. Jesus asked, yeah. you know, I don't, want, I don't want to die like this, but in the end, he knew it was God's will and not his. That's a great pull, great pull. Okay, I'm going to put this one up. I want you to sit with it for a minute. <clears throat> if God can heal, why did he let my dad die of cancer? To the person who asked this, I don't know who you are. I'm so sorry for your pain. I'm genuinely sorry. And I don't have a good answer. We use phrases like, they're gone before their time, but yet, you know, if God's sovereign, has he ordained our days? Psalm 139 seems to say yes. I don't know, I'm so sorry. And just because sometimes the answer is no doesn't mean we don't pray and ask for miraculous healing. We've seen it. We've seen people at this church who are on the verge and brink of death healed. But sometimes the way God chooses to heal is to take them out of this earth. So I'm sorry. And, and, and this next question is hard too. When you lose a loved one, how can you accept it being part of God's plan? Time, talking it through with people, not alone. I remember um, <clears throat> I've had to help bury one of my students. I remember I came and I spoke like we, his funeral's on Saturday, then I spoke on Sunday, and like I had everything written out and I had my message ready, and I just broke down up here, like I couldn't hold it. And it's just one of these things where it's like I know this person was in heaven. But it still sucks. Yeah. I think we can all, like, and here's the thing, talking about it. Like, I'm able to express, everyone in this room, you can see Kevin has real emotion. Like, it sucks. I, I had a friend uh, two years ago, Whitney Fisher, loved her. I, she loved Jesus. Um, she died of a stroke at, like, 28. They said it was one of those freak things that a 28-year-old should, should not have. Like, she was training for a 10K and had a stroke and died. And I talked to her mom. Yeah, it was tough. It was sad. And at those times, I know who Jesus is. I know how great he is. Every single one of us in this room, the breath that you have in your lungs like right now is a gift from God. The blood pumping through your body is a gift from God. Um, and I think there's a lot of things that we forget to thank him for. But there's also times in our lives where it's like, what? we still ask those questions, why? And we can and we can be mad at the search, like at the situation. We'd be up, upset at the situation. And I think still, when we go through these tough times, God is there with us to love us through these things. I, I ask you guys, I cannot remember the verse, uh, but look up um, when, he, when Jesus raised Lazarus. He was sitting there with Mary and Martha. He was with them as they're crying. Jesus wept with them. And then, of course, he did a miracle. It's Andrew not. and I are headed to the funeral home tonight when we leave here. Um, one of his former teachers, 32 years old, died the other night in the middle of the night, leave, leaves behind a second grade little girl and a two-month-old baby boy who will never know his mother. And someone wrote me and said, it's just not fair. And I'm like, it, it doesn't seem fair that that little boy will never know his mama. But, I mean, there's just nothing you can say except to know that God can use it for good. And we may not see it now, but we'll see it eventually. And yeah. so, 
Well, and, I, and I'll tack on to that, this next question, how to deal with losing someone who wasn't a believer, and I'm tying to Lynn's answer here. Um, most of you probably know this. I lost my dad when I was your age, when I was in high school. He was 43, had a heart attack, gone. It is the single greatest shaping event of my life. And I can look back now, half a lifetime you know, later, and go, this is what God used to bring me to him. I did not know Jesus before that. I went to church. I was the youth group kid, right? I was always there, went on all the trips, but I didn't know Christ. And losing my dad hurt. It still hurts. But I look at that and I see now with some perspective and some time, God, you use this to draw me to yourself. So if you rush in and try to provide an answer to someone who's hurting in the freshness of that, you're going to do more damage than, than, than help. And it's okay to say, I don't know what yeah. to say. Yeah. I don't have the answer. All you got to do is love on people when yeah. they're going through it. And that, and that ties into this. How should, how should Christians respond to a person who's lost everything? Love on them. Um, let, me, let me rapid fire through and I'll come to you, Chris, some, some verses. Jot these down. Galatians 6, 2 through 3. Share each other's burdens. You guys hear me say this all the time. And in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ. But look at verse 3. If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. So take yourself down off that pedestal. You got somebody in your class or on your team or at your job who's hurting, take some time to love on them. And sometimes loving on somebody can simply be, hey, I'm here for you. And you don't have to fix it. Guys, we're really bad at this. You don't have to fix it. You just listen and say, I'm sorry. That's hard. You're right. It doesn't seem fair. I'm here. You're not alone. Share their burdens. And then Perry cited this one this morning. 2 Corinthians 1.4, he, God, comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. That comfort you receive from God is not just for you, it's for you to pass forward. So understand that, that when we go through these things, uh, God is moving. Romans 12, 9 through 13 uh, talks about not just pretending, but really loving someone. And, and this is my pet peeve. We're really good about in the freshness of tragedy or heartache or brokenness to be there for somebody. Keep showing up. A month later, two months later, a year later, keep loving them and keep being there for them. Chris, you had something you want to say before we get to our last question? Uh, just, yeah, with that one, how should Christians respond to a person who has lost everything? Um, it, try your best because we do. We do want to love people. We want to help people. I'll never forget, my, so if you guys don't know, my house exploded uh, in sixth grade, lost everything. Literally, we had the clothes on our back. That was it. Um, and then a few few years later, I'm working at the KOA with Whitney Fisher, and a dude's RV burnt to the ground. So right there, I have the perspective. I could walk up and be like, I know exactly what you're feeling. You just lost everything. That's terrible. But again, I'm not that person. Just because we've gone through the same situation, we don't know how that person is dealing with it. I, he, I remember he walked into the store covered in ashes because he was digging through his RV looking for anything he could use. That is not the same thing that happened to me. Yes, I, my house, I lost everything, and he just lost his RV. It's different. We look at that, Romans 12, 13, the very end. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager. It doesn't mean we have to say something, like jump quick to be like, oh, I, I know what's going on. Just be there for them. Yeah, just, just love on them because we don't know how they are handling a situation. Even if it's the same thing that you have been through, it's different. It's, it's their perspective of it. Yeah, go, go look at the end of Job chapter 2. Lynn cited this earlier. Job lost everything, his wealth, his health, his family members were all dead except his wife who was not the most helpful person in the world. Uh, she told him, curse God and die, and he didn't do that. And his three friends show up, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, fun names, and it says for a week they sat there in silence and they just mourned with him and they cried with him and they were patient and shared in his suffering. Now, after that, the rest of the book of Job is them opening their mouths and messing everything up, but the silence and the presence are good. So check that out. This is our last question. Ways to deal with depression and anxiety. I put this at the end because some of the situations we've just walked through and touched on may have you in this state of depression or just wrestling with anxiety. And I've looked at the numbers. Anxiety and depression, which were already pretty high among your age group, are even higher after the last two years. And so let me simply say, don't deal with it alone. Don't try to white-knuckle this thing and just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And no, get some help. You've heard both of these people talk about counseling. It's good. It's not taboo, it's not wrong, it's not bad, it doesn't mean you're deficient, it means you're smart enough to realize you need some help.
Uh, and actually, I want you to know, coming up, we've got a series after Burger Bowl. We're going to take four weeks and talk about our feelings, talk about emotions. And two of those weeks, one week is just on anxiety and one week is just on depression. I got some folks even coming in from care to help with that. And speaking of care, if you don't know this, we have a care department here at Brookwood Church. And I want to commend them to you. Uh, one thing they've got coming up, they've got a mental health and suicide awareness workshop. That's coming up at the end of this month on Saturday, February 26th. This stuff's all on our website. Uh, and I advertised for this on our Instagram earlier this week and on our Facebook. So, hey, this doesn't have to just be you. It could be people you're concerned about. Go to this. Get equipped. Learn how you can deal with it. Here's some other stuff Brooke was putting on. Uh, they've got these healthy you gatherings. You can tell they're healthy because they're hugging each other. See how nice that is? Um, oh, that's, oh, that's nice. Are we going to hug right now? Oh, I feel better. Um, they've got individual ones coming up. You can see those kind of in the top left. I specifically want to highlight these three that are still coming. Uh, so in March, there's one on boundaries. Some of your relationships would be well served by some boundaries. Consider going. It's free. Anxiety and depression that's coming up in May. Forgiveness, reconciliation. Uh, in June. These are some workshops, some classes you can go to, be a part of, and not be alone in your suffering. At the end of the day, I, I know we didn't give the depth of answers you want for everything. Here's what I want you to hear me say. Jesus is good. He is for you, not against you. And even when bad things happen, it doesn't mean that you are bad or evil. Yes, sometimes I do think God punishes us, and I do think he course corrects us through discipline. But there are times where, again, Joseph had not sinned. Job had not sinned. These things happen. If you are struggling with that, please come see one of us. Please see somebody in your group. Anybody, have a conversation. Don't be alone. We believe that Christ is sovereign. And we do believe that he's coming back to make all things right. And that all the weeping and sorrow will one day be gone. That's Revelation 21.4. I cited that earlier for you. So, I'm going to pray for us. you got about 10 minutes to try to get in groups. We are going to run a little bit over, but that's okay. Just, hey, just find your community group leader. Find a group of people. Just talk. Pray for each other. Love on each other. And then we'll be back next week for Burger Bowl. Jesus, you're sovereign. You're in charge. And sometimes we don't understand how that works with our choices, but God, I trust that it does. And Jesus, I take great comfort in the fact that you are sustaining us. As Chris said, even the breath in our lungs right now is a gift from you so help us to value it and Jesus we ask that you would come quickly our world is so broken and we need you so badly but in the waiting in the meantime help us to be faithful to be your hands and feet to go and love people where to well to share each other's burdens uh, to love our neighbors as ourselves to be ambassadors to be salt to be light Jesus help us to represent you well, and if there's one here tonight, Jesus, who doesn't know you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would begin to stir within them. They would ask questions and that you would draw them to yourself. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for being here.